handle the truth. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Saturday night cell block. How is everybody doing tonight? Thank you all for joining in. Um, again, I pray that everybody's safe and sound, that they're warm, they're around comfort. Um, and uh, if you can, please, like I say, we got a raffle going on. Please go to www.cominghomecoalition.com. Check out Project Safety First. First, what is it? Yeah, so Project First. Okay. Anyhow, I'm not getting no help from my co-host over there. So please go check it out. See what we got going on. But um, forgive me. I'm a little razzled tonight. I'm all over the place. And I am going to introduce my guest tonight. Tonight, I've been sitting here talking to, to Ryan for the, for the last 30 minutes here. And uh, I'm, I'm just blown away by this guy's story. So... I'm going to bring him in. It's going to be a long story. It's a it's a very emotional story. And I want you guys to pay attention to, again, these are the issues in America, right? And this is going on in all our communities, all our areas. Um, we're all dealing with it. And if it hasn't touched our family personally, I know it's touched mine personally. It's touched Ryan's personally, others that I've had on the show. And if... Uh, if it hasn't touched your family yet, it, it will soon. So these discussions are very important. They're a must hear. And uh, this is this is why I'm bringing Ryan on. So I will be switching over now. Introducing Mr. Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, partner? Doing well. Man, I'm blessed, man. You know, one thing, I'm down here in, in the warm weather, so that's a blessing. So I'm not that fortunate, but still blessed, still blessed to be here, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely, no question. So we're gonna talk a little bit about who you are tonight, um, yep. and and what you've been experiencing, and the fight that you got going on in your life personally as well. So go ahead and let the listener know a little bit of of who you are. So um, yeah, my name's Ryan uh, Wallace. I'm from. I was born in Philadelphia. I'm uh, raised in Massachusetts, and uh, I'm the youngest uh, three three son, three boys that are uh, you know all 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 addicts, all you know victims of not victims per se, but you know all all been through the system, all been through the struggle, and you know my family's seen a lot of. Addiction and been through a lot of things. So, and my, um, I've seen my brothers go through, my older brothers go through a lot of it, a lot harder than me. I more so went the, the criminal route. I ended up doing seven years, split like three months out, four and a half, and then about two, you know, good time, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, during that time, while I was incarcerated for the second time, uh, my brother Sean was um, relapsed. He had relapsed. He had been clean for five years. You know, he's said a good tax-paying citizen. You know, did did everything he's supposed to. And uh, 
but he was an addict. You know, he had a, he had some demons, and uh, he uh, unfortunately relapsed, and he was in a um, halfway house out out in Western Mass out here, and he had probation going on, and um, he uh, he picked up a um, shoplifting charge, and mm. he violated probation. So my father, who my father been sober 40 years. He's well involved in the, you know, he's been bringing people to rehabs for as long as I can remember. I've had a drunk, uh, you know, an addict on my, on, on the couch waiting to get, you know, for my father to bring him into detox the next day. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like he's, he's been, he's, he's got connections. He's, he's known to be able to get things done. And he had a bed for Sean, you know, at a halfway house. And uh, Sean had been on methadone. He was on 180 milligrams of methadone, which is a very high dose of methadone. Mm. And if you, do, if you don't know about methadone, the, um, the detox from it is extremely, extremely, like, painful. It's it's mental. It's You hallucinate. I, I haven't been through it personally. I've seen people go through it, and I've just, you know. And he had been through it a couple times, so, and, uh, so, like, so he ended up getting brought to Barnstable. He went to court. My father brought him. The judge denied him bail. I uh, told him they're going to bring him to Barnstable. You know, they're going to handle it. We're going to take care of it. And my brother, my father objected, of course, because my brother started crying, started shaking because he had PTSD from an experience that I'll get into, you know, after. This is just a brief little thing here to know. So he uh, got brought to Barnstable where they were supposed to bring him to court the next day. And uh, my father was showed up at court. He waited. They never brought him. While he was waiting, what he didn't know was that Sean was, was uh, you know, threatening suicide if he didn't get brought to court because he knew that if he didn't go to court that day, he was going to be in uh jail for the weekend and that's another two right. days <clears throat> so he didn't want right and he let him know that and they didn't believe him and he jumped off the, he ended up jumping off the chair and uh broke his neck and um went to a coma he uh died a month later and um a month and a half later so and um my parents basically just weren't given any information and just don't really know the system like a lot of people don't know they right. don't know they trust they trust that right the right thing is happening but they don't know to check you know what i mean it's like why would they think so um so the there was a there's a lot of things going on in this jail with uh suicides and uh lawsuits and they're they're like always a leader if not the leader of suicides. And um, so they swept it under the rug, you know, no no articles, no no uh, news about it, no nothing, just just let it go. And um, now I, I can't, I come home from prison. And uh, when I came home from prison, my family was just self-destructive. You know, it was, uh, they, they kept me away from it while I was in prison, so I wasn't really ready to see, ready to know what was going, you know what I mean? Like, I uh, So they blindsided you with it? Yeah, well, yeah, 
in out of love, I would say. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, trying to protect me from the truth. Yeah. Like, well, from, you're probably in the sense that you're in there. They didn't probably want you right. to flip out, um, kill somebody, get into a fight, get in lockdown, make your time harder. You know, I understand. Yeah, like they, they, you know, I. It, but I, I, I'm asking questions and like I'm not really getting answers and like, and I'm just trying to figure out like what, like like about the law you guys attack. Like what are these people doing? And they're like, oh, now. The other part of this is, um, like a, maybe a year before, Sean was uh, on a run. He was running hard. He was, you know, he was overdosing. And he, my parents were scared for him. They, they, you know, they didn't want him to die. So in Massachusetts, there's a Section 35, which means you, you basically call the police. You say, my sons are, or my brother, or my whoever, is uh, a danger to himself. You know what I mean? He's an addict, blah, 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 whatever. And the police come and arrest you. They put you in the holding cell. And you basically have a court case. You know what I mean? Where your parents or your brother or whoever your loved one says this is what's going on and uh, we want him held and you say this is what's going on and the judge says alright I'll make this decision so and in this notoriously you've been sent to a place called Bridgewater State Prison which is a mental hospital they have a sex offender prison they have a medium security prison minimum security prison and uh it's been like you know, just one of those places that you hear about forever out here. It's a, it's a hard. They used to, they used to house the, the addicts with the inmates. You know, my brother, first time he ever went there, he got his, he got his sneakers stolen by an inmate. Right, you know what I mean? By a guy like, he was subjected to prison at like without really supposed to be in prison. You know right. What I mean? so, He's going for rehab, but yet still in a prison environment. They, they had, yeah, they, they have you in an open dorm with a CO kids no no medicine no nothing you you puke the co's are telling you clean it up you know it's just you know there's no it's it's like a it's a hidden secret you know what i mean like what what people go through in this place because the other side of it is mass rehab which is a which is a mass run treatment so basically like it's just a coin flip where you get sent having a hell you know you go to a nice place that gives you that you get a physician and you get the care that you need and you get and you get your medicine and you get your comfort meds and you get to talk to a counselor and you get to you know you get that which you should have or you go to a prison and sit in a cell and get taught shit you know get yelled at by ceos and uh wait 90 days and come home you know what I mean? right so a lawsuit went in for women saying that this was this was not right civil rights bubble it's not right so the women won and they didn't let women go no more but the, the men didn't get that same like for some reason it didn't go to many too so so they still were using it but they they moved it to Plymouth Plymouth Forestry which Plymouth is a town nice town you know rich town it's, there's a jail there um, and there's a DOC run minimum, minimum security jail there. So they got a big grant and, uh, to turn this place into the new section 35, you know, and, uh, hmm. it, it was to be a 
a treatment. You know what I mean? They, they, they're supposed to. For those that don't know what Section 35 is, explain to them what that is. It's, it's like I said, it's like a, it's, it's basically 90 days, 60 to 90 days of alcohol, drug treatment. Um, and like your, you know, you, like I said, your, your, it's forced rehab is basically what it is. Forced you know what I mean? rehab. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Forced rehab where, but you, you really can't, you're not supposed to be able to leave. You know what I mean? It's like, so let like, me ask like, you this. Is this, is this their, is this their solution? So when they're saying, when we, the people are saying, why are these guys going to prison and not rehab? Is there is this what they call their solution to that? This forced rehab, so that you get a a, a crime of of addiction. They're they're forcing you into this rehab, which you've explained is is prison. It's yeah. I mean, if yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they've it. It's now become after this has happened. There's a, there's a there's a lawsuit right now. My brother's involved in. And what happened is they gave them another grant and they cleaned the place all up. You know what I mean? And they're trying to hide this, which which goes into like what happened in this in this place. When with my brother, when he came into this place, it was new. They had just gotten it open. They said, uh, you know, like, you know, they get a lot of money for it. And um, they sent a bunch of people there. And uh, these kids that went there, they just they weren't ready. To, to have them there yet. There was no, there was no, there was nobody there except COs. It was the same thing, just different place. You know what I mean? Same, same treatment plan, no medicine, no nothing, locked in a room. You know what I mean? Just a different, nicer place, I guess, if you could say nicer. And, uh, but there was no fence. So kids started running. You know, obviously, there's right detoxing they're not getting meds they're not getting treatment right treatment talk to somebody who was there and he said basically what they would do is once a week they'd let you go and watch a movie maybe flight denzel washington and little addiction thrown in there you know and uh, that was their that was their answer for you and then go sit in the cell for 23 hours you know what i mean so that was their answer that's what they said they were doing and like but they made it out to be a whole completely different thing now these kids are running. People start acting out because they're not getting no attention. Nobody's getting any, any attention. Now kids are acting out because there's cons mixed into this. You know, there's convicts mixed into this who kind of know their rights. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bring the brass down. The kids tell these people, listen, we're not locking, going one into ourselves unless you guys give us a phone call. Right? So they bring all these people down. And they, what do you guys want? We want a phone call. We want to be able to talk to people about what, you know what I mean? What we're doing, what we're not doing, what you're not letting us do. So they said, all right, we'll give you guys your phone call. Um, we'll give you guys your phone call, just whatever. And they gave like four guys a phone call and they got the kids back in their cell. And um, the other four kids, um, so when they, they, basically what they did is they, Locked up, they, they pacified them, and then at, like, midnight, they came in with, like, the SWAT team, like that, the, you know, the... Cell extraction team, yeah. The IPS, or the CERT, or whoever you say. They brought them in, they ripped about 12 guys out, they brought them back to Bridgewater, which they weren't supposed to do. Bridgewater wasn't supposed to be, you know what I mean? And they did this to 
you know, tell them basically, listen, like, you guys don't have, you know, shut up, basically. And these kids were put in uh, turtle suits, which is like a one-piece, you know, a one-piece Johnny, half-naked, basically naked, because they all climbed out of them, you know what I mean? And they're stuck in a sex offender unit, where they have sex offenders looking at them and across the way. And they move people out of their cells, single cells, to put these kids in there. So these, so all these guys are pissed off, and it's just like a, it's a shit show. Yeah. And they're not kid showers. They're not giving them phone calls. They're not letting them out the cell at all. And they're ripping up grievances, and they're they're denying anything, and, and like they're violating a lot of civil rights. So people are getting mad. People are. It, it became a situation again. And this this is at Bridgewater. That Bridgewater. This was this was where this is was only these twelve kids. Now my brother got brought in about two weeks into it. These kids have been in there for like I want to say like two weeks. There's an article on it. I'll I'll, uh, I'll say it at the end. But um, I want to say two weeks they were there. My brother came in and um, the kid. I talked to a kid who was in there and he said that my brother was uh, hallucinating. He was, he was clearly in extremely bad shape. You know what I mean? He he needed a, a hospital. He needed medical attention. He hadn't eaten. He uh, he couldn't get. They tried getting him to eat some applesauce. He couldn't get a bite of applesauce down. He, he thought he was in. Um, he thought it was World War Two. He thought he was getting bombed. He thought he was gonna die. He thought. Then the next minute, he thought somebody was coming and picking him up. So like they realized. You know, because, you know, when people come on, like, it's almost like people come in the hole, everybody's yelling, hey, what's going on, what's going on? Because yeah. they wanted to know what's going on. And Sean basically wasn't able, they realized that he wasn't wasn't in the right state of mind, so they told the cops, get this kid, please get this kid some help. They need some help. And they said, I right, we'll get him after on uh, count. And this was in solitary? Solitary, yeah, it was, it was... It was in the sex offender unit, and they used it as solitary. You know what yeah, I mean? They yeah. left lights on 24 hours a day. They didn't turn their lights off. They kept them. They they, they turned it into solitary, basically. They probably figured if we're going to put them around any inmates, let's put them around, you know what I mean? The sex offender unit, probably the safest one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say their idea. I don't know what they thought. I don't know that they're, they're thinking on it. I mean, it's disgusting to me. But these people, there was actually a cop in the group, like a, a guy who had stolen evidence, he was an addict, you know what I mean, got kicked off the thing, he's one of the people named in the lawsuits, he was in there kicking, banging doors, you know what I mean, kicking down doors, well, anyway, Sean gets taken out, they um, wheel him out, they they bring him wherever they bring him, and people start asking where he is, and they're not saying anything, and they, they say something about he attacked a staff member, and uh, like, don't worry about him, he'll be gone, he attacked a staff member. My brother, I, I can't see it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed. I skipped a part. Is an important part is um, when they came to get my brother out of the cell. He was he was literally they he was covered in his own bile from throwing up, his own urine, his own feces that was on the wall. He was. It was clear that he was having a mental. You know what I mean? That day. Of course. Yeah. That's not a, it's not like there was just a, a little thing. He was literally, you know, going 
through it. So uh, they um they pulled they they he got up because he was hallucinating. He walked towards the cup and one of the guys pulled the taser on him like he's gonna shoot him with the taser. You know what I mean? Like that. And uh, the kids started yelling, I guess, and uh, they they put the taser away and ended up just kind of wrestling them around a little bit and getting them into a chair and bringing them to wherever they brought them. I don't know where they brought them. These kids don't know where they brought them because after this, my brother was never my brother. My brother came home from this. What ended up happening is the kid got word to people's parents by sending a note, rolling it up and tucking it by to to get it out because they weren't letting paperwork come out because they didn't want anybody writing any right. documents. So somebody had to literally, you know, sneak numbers out to get these kids in. And civil rights got called and, and they moved them all back to Plymouth. So when my brother came home, I was still I was still doing time. Uh, I called and my you know, your brother's a little different, you know, just just bear with him, you know what I mean? He's a little different, blah, blah, you know, whatever. So I, I got on the phone with him and like, he just was a totally different person, you know, it was just like. Different, huh? Different is that I didn't even recognize the person I, I was talking to. Like, different, like, like he would just, in a didn't recognize you or distracted or, or he knew who I he knew who I was. He was but the the, the charisma, the the happiness, the Which is dead of, inside. It's just like up talking to somebody who was just like and me, you know, I had done a pretty long stint in the hole, so I kinda like told him like, listen man, I know how it is, like but I was you know, trying to be a tough guy or tell him like listen like you can get through this like it's not that bad but i didn't know what he went through you know what right, I, mean? right. I didn't also the first time i ever went to the hole i was shaking it's not a fun place you know what i mean like you adapt to it which is a scary thing that your body can actually adapt to that but you know like i trying to, i kind of like told him like you know like you'll be okay like and he was like i just basically you know just not himself, not himself. I couldn't get really much out of him. So when I came home, uh, he was on a run. He was with this girl, and uh, I didn't see him for like two weeks until uh, after I got home. I couldn't get him to come because this, this girl he was with was like they had some problems. She wouldn't, she didn't want him around the family, whatever. And uh, he was like running pretty hard. He, he was in the middle of a of a of a big uh, run. So. He, um, I finally seen him, and when I saw him in person, it was really scary. That's when I really knew, you know. What I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Because there was things that I just didn't like, things that happened, things that he said, things that, and I never got the story out of him because I couldn't even get a real conversation out of him. You know what I mean? His girl, the girl he was with, described him in an interview as a walking tumor, which was a pretty disgusting statement. I don't know. She could have used a little. Nicer words, but that—that's how she described it. She's my um. She just—he was—he was constantly upset. You know what I mean? And he said—he said that he was scared that he was gonna go back every morning. He woke up and he felt like he was gonna be back. You know what I mean? He was gonna be back. And that was his biggest fear: is going back. 
so he ended up getting clean and uh he did pretty well he went off to western mass and uh one day he um like i say he uh he relapsed and why why did he rat what 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 made him relapse what was his situation he was living in a halfway house i i really can't say he i mean it's pressure can be anything you know what i mean you walk by you see something you at this time again i was locked up you know what i mean so i didn't see him i I mean but i know he was i talked to him after he got bailed out and he was he seemed like he was like a little better like he was he was he was happy to not be in jail i know that you know what i mean he was like very grateful he said he was never going on methadone again he's gonna get off methadone he's gonna go to a halfway house he's gonna and like i was you know i felt good for him i felt good about the situation he was with my father who like i said that's 40 years sober and i knew he was safe and he was gonna get to a place he'd be all right so he had caught the next day and excuse me he was out on a 250 bail so you figure, and he had already talked to his probation officer, and his probation officer said, just tell the judge to, to have you come here after, check in, and we'll, you know, we'll go over the violation or whether I will violate you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So goes in front of the judge, and this judge, for some reason, decided that he wasn't, wasn't the best idea to let him go with my father and held him said we'll bring him to court tomorrow to uh <clears throat> check him with probation so my father my, my brother immediately starts shaking crying i mean he's it's ptsd kicks in and he was they cuff him and he just thought he's you know he realizes he's going back to that place so my father stood up and asked the judge please you know there's a lot more to the situation than you know you know what i mean and uh you know let me bring in like you know let me explain it of course the judge said something i'll hold you in contempt or something sir told the father that yeah told my father that yeah if he uh yeah you know whatever that he said and my father my father said it was like you know one of those It's like small town, like you know what I mean. He said he like had a hearing feeling the whole time. You know what I mean? Like it just was like a, it was a, just a real. He he said the judge just, you know, guy wasn't wasn't hearing anything, and so he he left and uh, he went home, and uh, he because he lives right down the street from the jail. The constable was in born where my father actually lives, so. And he uh, drove to court the next day, and um, the lawyer was there. The lawyer told him he's coming. They, I mean, my father left his phone in the car because you're not supposed to have your phone in the court. He's follows rules. He left the phone in the car, and um, he sat till four thirty, five o'clock, and they never brought Sean in the court. So he leaves, checks his phone. He sees like forty missed calls from Sean, and. Uh, he obviously can't call back, so he figures whatever, you know, he's, he doesn't know what's going on. Right. So what happened is I I learned from people that were in the block that um, he was 
yelling for help the whole, all day, telling the cops that if you guys don't bring me to court, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to kill myself. You and I know suicide is a strong word in jail, and it usually ends in 24 hours of being watched. I lost your sound. Lost the sound? There you go. Okay. So, yeah, so he said, um, he kept threatening suicide. And like I was saying, that's usually in jail when you say suicide, you know, they, they take that seriously. They have to. I've seen people get held saying it jokingly. You know what I mean? Jokingly saying it. Okay, sorry, buddy, you gotta come. You know what I mean? So, I don't know the names of the cops. They they didn't. We don't have the reports. We don't have anything to work. But whoever these cops were, didn't and he also had cuts on his wrists. And they did the um, body, whatever. Like when they brought him to court. I mean, to um, the hospital. They found cuts on his wrist. So he was cutting his wrists and while he was yelling for help. Yeah. Yeah, he was just going into a, a complete, yeah, uh, uh, psychotraumatic rage of some sort, you know, because, yeah, I mean, the way that you laid it out, of course. And, and this is, and I've seen that. I've seen that. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times. When people realize that they're going to be in jail for the weekend, they start wigging out. I've seen people slam their head up against the bars. I've seen people. Okay, so quick story. On on my arraignment, right? On my arraignment, it's it's three of us. And the individual that they let go in first was telling us, man, listen, I don't mean you guys no disrespect, but if this judge does not let me out, I'm shutting this courtroom down. This is what he's telling us. Now, we're all like in the van, like, man, don't even trip like that. Like, we're trying to go home, too. You know what I mean? This and that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, man, listen, you know, I, I got to get home. This judge got to let me out, blah, blah, blah. So now they call this knucklehead first. This is fate, right? Fate, I'm telling you. They call this knucklehead first. We're all sitting in the chicken coop is what we call it, is where uh, in, in, in the arraignment bail, though, They'll take the jury box and, and cover it with chicken wire and glass, whatever. And this is where all your arraignees go in to sit down to get an arraignment from the judge, right? So we're all sitting in there and we're cuffed in this. They call this fool up there, right? This fool goes up to the podium. He's handcuffed to the, you know, to, to his back or whatnot. And he looks up at the judge and he says, Your Honor, if I don't get bail today, blood is going to be shed in this courtroom, Right? We're all over here like this, crazy mother, right? <laughs> so the judge looked at him and said, well, son, you just do what you have to do because you're definitely not getting no bail. <laughs> man, this man reared back and came forward and slammed his head on that podium so hard, right? Like his whole forehead just split wide open. You know what I mean? Of course, the bailiffs go over, tackle him, shut it down. We all get transferred back, and now we're all in there for the weekend. But the it's it. I don't even know how to describe uh, the the animal behavior that we allow ourselves to slip into for fear 
of being in that county jail for the weekend? All right, especially especially when you when you detox. You know what I mean? Especially when you know, like, because you know, I I my first time going to county jail, I was detoxing. I remember sitting in that cell thinking, like, that was probably one of the only times I really was thinking I I well, I would commit suicide. I remember asking myself, me. I jumped off this tall bunk. You think I would die? You know what I mean? Because I, it was I, I was so sick. I was so it was, and to be in that situation and to and to like, I remember asking a cop at like four in the morning because my stomach was like eating away at itself. I bang on the door. He stopped. I said, "Co, can can I just get some bread or something? Like I got, I can't. I, my stomach, I'm in pain." And he laughed at me and said, uh, you shouldn't do drugs. You know what I mean? And, like, at that moment, I realized, like, whoa, this this isn't real. You know what I mean? This is not, this is not the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, this no is, understanding, no empathy, and it's, so, you know. But before, before we wrap this up, Ryan, let me ask you, like, how bad is the drug situation up in Massachusetts in that area? It's, it's uh, uh horrible. It's, it's got nothing but worse. And uh, right now, my my brother's living on what they call Mass Ave in Boston, which is basically an open air drug market where it's just it's a part of the city where like they just basically let everybody go and do their thing, and a lot of homeless addicts are live out there like and, uh my brother's been out there almost two years running and it, it's it's like uh it's it's flooded it's it's just i've had i've lost more friends in the past what, seven seven years eight years since it's been really bad than i can and i could even count you know during my sentence i i lost more people just friends People leaving, people—it's it, it, bad out here, man. It's, it's and when you say lost. lose, when you say that you've lost friends, what does that mean? Overdose. Overdose. It's oh, and the fentanyl, the pills that are being pressed with fentanyl, the, the whole, the whole thing. I mean, and uh, it's just—it's scary. It's just a scary drug. It's a new world. It's a new I did. Drug. I did a show with a, a a couple shows with a dude up there by the name of Corey Cheney doing his own mm -hmm. thing or whatnot but we talked about um methadone mile is that what is that what you, same uh, thing that's where he is yeah it's a, it, I, I i was in a halfway house right there i used to walk out of my halfway house take a left you literally can't walk anywhere without they have a halfway over. house they have a halfway house near methadone mile all in, in the heart of it you, you're smoking cigarettes and guys are walking up asking you for cigarettes from the I, I'm telling you, I walked down the corner. Dudes are shooting, shooting up right there, right in front of you. Like, uh, it's open air. The cops don't do nothing. They don't they? They just let it ride until it gets to like one time a CO got beat up driving down there because talking to some like and they dragged him off the car and then they shut it down. They, you know, they don't run down there and, and bust everybody up and whatever. But like, as long as they're not bothering anybody except just killing themselves I mean, it's scary man that place i'll tell you so I, I, so an individual that is coming home from prison 
going to a halfway house to try to re-enter successfully into society is going to a halfway house that's in the heart of Methadone Clinic, Methadone a, a Mile. When he walks out of his front door, people are just sitting there shooting up and all kinds of stuff. That's why. That's where they. That's where I had to go when I went out, and I ended up back in jail in four months off from using. I'm that curious. I'm curious to how much money that halfway house is getting. Yeah, because they take federal inmates. They take, you know what I mean. They take everybody. So uh, it's a trust me, it's a business. Man. It's a big business. And what's what's the name of that, what's the name of that halfway house? Do you know? Oh, there's plenty of them, but that one's the Hope House. That one's the, the, the Hope House. The, the Flow House is on it too, but the Hope House is like. I mean, it, it's in the heart of it. it I, I, I was smoking a cigarette one time, and all the, I look, there's a, across the street, there's a factory that has ice, you know, the ice machines they keep outside convenience stores. Like, you grab your ice out. Yeah. I'm looking, and I see one open, and, and people just climb out of it. These addicts are climbing out of it. Out of the ice machine? Slept in there. They were sleeping in there. They sleep in the ice machine, and uh, it climbed. It was like a clown car. I couldn't even believe how many they had in there. I was watching this. I was blown away. You know what I mean, and it was. We used to have guys coming up to us. Hey, what? Do you, like you know, they go boost for us. You know what I mean? Or hey, what do you want? Get, and come back to the to the halfway host. Like the, the the people working there would have to like, you know, back the kids away. You know what I mean? Because we were so close. But yeah, it's it's. Bad. That's that's what I got sucked into and went, went right back. You know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't a place for me. I don't know a lot of people that I don't know what their success rate is, but it didn't work for me. I know that. But um, mm. but you also want to say too about with this with the Sean with with um what they're doing to us right now is they're denying us to to take this course. So I found out. I've been digging into this pretty hard lately, like calling reporters and calling all these people and trying to figure out because I looked through a bunch of articles and my brother's name's not mentioned in any of the, in any of the articles. They list all the suicides and Sean's not there. So I'm like, why is Sean not here? Why are they not talking about Sean? Why is, and I, so I made a call to the sheriff and she told me that they never, what, what they basically did is they, they never made a, uh, they they never listed it as a death. They left it as a slip and fall. They said it was a slip and fall or an accidental fall. And because Sean was in a coma for so long, my, because my parents didn't want to pull the plug for so long, it ended up being, you know, in jail. Things go on. Things move on. You know what I mean? And... Uh, they had a lawsuit against them. Right now, they have a huge lawsuit against them for another girl who killed herself in that jail. She wrote a grievance saying she was depressed and she needed help, and they never got answered, and she ended up killing herself. And uh, they have a lawsuit for her right now. Um, three inmates tried to commit suicide in August. Two successfully did. Still a big problem. And um, I so what they did is they they said Sean fell and they never went back and revisited it they just left it open like that and what the sheriff told me is it's mandatory after a death in a prison a suicide especially that they do a state police investigation so there was never a state police investigation 
never been they never looked into it nothing's ever been looked into it so i'm trying to get uh, caught into a civil case to to at least get an investigation and because there's a law that if you don't file within three years that you can't file anymore you know what i mean like they they expect a you know whatever they however they say the word but you have three years and if it passes in three years you, there's nothing you can do but I'm trying to fight for uh, to to get this investigation put in to, to try to. Well, you you have um you have individuals that were in the jail, right? Like you, so oh, I, okay, so you need you need to get affidavits from them. Yeah, that's they said they write them. I got people. But the problem is, is nobody nobody's listening. Nobody here. Every everybody I call every lawyer i call every they scared man scared of the scared well what 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 we got to do is is get get some affidavits and when you get them to write it down of course you you have to get it notarized and make it all legit things of that nature and then you you just start contacting your local news stations right if your local news stations aren't willing to help you you know these action news things like that then you call a representative a senator things of that nature. Um, I, like I said, I have a couple organizations that are very good organizations. One, um, is Cynthia Goldberg and the F8 Foundation, who she don't play no games. So she, these, these are the type of individuals who, who know powerful people and can have things looked at. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm running for right now. That's, that's the goal right now is just, I'm not, I just want to, I just want to recognize. I just, I just want it known. I, I feel like is, it's like these people get away with so much. I mean, they get away with so much. It's just they're never held accountable for any action. You chose to take my brother, hold him. You told, you told us that you would bring for his safety. No, they don't make a call to court. They, you know how it is. When they don't bring you to court, it's just the, the, the cop says you're not on the list. You know what I mean? That's all there is to it. You're not on the list. Well, and, uh, Ryan, bless you, bless you, partner, for being your your brother's keeper, man. Because it, it sounds like you're the only one that's that's not letting this this man die in vain. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I, one day it will get hurt. Yeah, bless you for that, partner, and, and I'll help you any way that I can. Um, and I'm I'm sorry that um, I'm sorry that this is your fight, you know. Yeah, nah, I mean it. It's it's one of those things that no, it's not. Like, no, it won't be. It won't be right away, but I feel like you know, commas there and things that when, when people eventually, if you say it enough, they'll listen. They gotta listen. Somebody has to listen. Well, and that's why I want to get you tied to some good people, man, because I, I know it can it can be discouraging. If you go to twenty people and you're telling this story to twenty people and then none of them show any interest, a person can get discouraged. You know what I mean? So I definitely want to tie you to people that that can um, definitely keep you encouraged to fight for your brother and 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 get this word out. And and hopefully create change and maybe even get a, a nonprofit started and in his name up there, dealing with this. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. I, I see 
I see what you're doing. I, I know a few guys out here that got out with the, the the juvenile life of parole, and they're doing a lot of like work. So I'm definitely talking to people. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That is awesome. You have this platform for people to come on and let people know because there's not a lot of people that 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 come home and and expose it. You know what I mean? And just really fight for it. Amen. Amen, man. Brother, you said a mouthful there. There's not many that come home and fight for us like 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 this. They come home, they create these these convict channels and they talk about men stabbing men and men raping men and all they care about is these likes and subscribes and and they do nothing to try to help tear down this this crap. They're just exploiting it for their own for their own good, you know. They glorify it. They, they glorify what they're doing and they try to turn it in. And, and you know, in nine times, like like you're a real cat, I could see that and I could tell that, you know what I'm saying, you you stood your ground inside, right? So you're going to know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. But nine out of ten of these dudes that come home and create these channels like that were never even in the mix. These are the dudes that are watching from their cells. When shit goes down, they'll run to their cell and watch out the window. And then, they'll you know, when they go to the next compound... They'll tell their stories like, man, man, I was out here swinging, doing all this. And then you'll get a kite from somebody because we're always going to check. Be like, oh, yeah, I heard about that, man. Let me check up on you. You send a kite over there. The kite comes back. Nah, man, that dude ran to his cell. You know what I'm saying? But then they come out here talking all this macho stuff and these people buy it up. They love it. I lost your sound. They want people to think you got a back for them. Get it back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 perfect. Yeah, nah, I know what you're saying, and I know people instead of talking about all the all the all the civil rights violate all the hmm. all the negative things you see in there and all the horrible just injustices. They want to glorify what they did and, and use it as like a badge when, like you said, nine times out of ten, those guys were the ones that, you know, if the fight broke out, like you said, they they, they were nowhere near it. They weren't, they weren't around in there. I just had a conversation with a kid the other day because he was, you know, he was posting all these memes and about all these prisons things and all this. And, and the kid was, he, he pulled a stunt at the end of his stint, his, his, prison stain like he ran from a kid and and hid in his in his block for like two months and and ended up checking off and doing a lot of like bad you know just yeah, a lot junkie of stunts. yeah and and he's in he's out there you know talking about all this all these things he was doing up there and all these you know it's like buddy just come on man tell the truth like just if you want to expose anything expose the gods that are doing these these horrible things and all this, you know, all this bullshit. Stop talking about the, the things because prison's not the same anymore. It's not like what people think. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not it's a the cesspool. Same. It's, it's a cesspool. cesspool. That's what it is not now, man. Horrible. Man. So, so yeah. So man, I appreciate it. And yeah, like I, I have a um, I'll post um some of the the articles if anybody wants to see the articles. And um, I'm just trying to start like a. Just like a tag, hashtag, anything to get like you know, just get the voice, something out there. I, I'm I'm kind of at a stagnant point right now. I'm kind of like in a, it's been a rough holiday, a rough 
rough fight here, and like I'm, like I said, I'm getting shot down left and right, and like so I'm, uh, I'm at a point where you know hopefully somebody just can get me in front of a get get the family in front of a judge to talk to somebody to get the I, to get an investigation. I just like to know who these COs were and why they ignored this. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, no question. Absolutely, you know, absolutely no question. And we'll we'll we'll, we'll do that, man. We'll, huh? That if they don't send my brother to jail that day, he's not he's not dead today. I mean, if maybe another way, but you know what I yeah. mean. Like that, every decision they made resulted in his death. You know what I mean? Yeah, no question, man. We'll we'll um, we'll start. We'll 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 link up. You know, link up on the side and and uh, see about getting you. You know, a Facebook page at least started in his name. Start getting drawn uh, yeah. traffic there for the listener. This is. Ryan Wallace, W A L L A C E. That's how you can find him on Facebook. Um, and then, uh, of course, in the descriptions, I'll put the link and stuff in there too. But yeah, we're in the be- This is just the beginning. We'll, this will be. We'll fight this for as long as we can. And then, like I said again, man, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you having the platform to, for people to expose it, man. Keep doing what you're doing, brother, and uh, I appreciate the help. Yeah. So talk to you soon. Absolutely, right. man. I appreciate you coming on the show and blessing the show with your story, partner. Man, thank you, brother. Have a great day. Have a great night, everybody. Stay blessed. Stay aware of your surroundings and what's going on. Stay safe, partner. We out. So, everybody, again, you can visit uh, Ryan Wallace on Facebook. Um, with any questions that you have and i will try to get him set up and, and try to bring awareness because i can see that he's getting discouraged in this fight you know and and it's is very discouraging especially when you don't have the the proper knowledge to to really know how to to reach people you know so this is this is where we come in this is where our brotherhood comes in this is where unity comes in this is where you know, again, all my messages of, of us looking out for one another and doing the right thing, coming together, making sure that all voices are heard and that none of our brothers or sisters are forgotten who are losing their lives inside of this prison industrial system. So that's all I have for you guys. I want to apologize for my intro because I was, again, I was talking to Ryan for 20 minutes prior, right before we went into it. And it's just, I'm just amazed I'm just amazed at, at at what we got going on in our cities. And it's almost like these county officials are so overburdened. They have no knowledge of how to fix the situation. So they're just dumping it on somebody else's desk to fix. And and it, the, 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 pardon my French for lack of a better word, but the shit is just being piled up from desk to desk to desk and it's being dumped into our prison industrial system and these resource systems and and they have no idea what to do. It's just a big clown show. You know, a big cluster that that people really just don't don't know what to do, man. So again, and this is what is starting to go on here in the Tampa Bay area. We're just starting this. Our recidivism is going up. This is the third highest county in the state or maybe even the highest county in the state. I believe this is the highest county in the state, if, if my memory serves. My memory has been going bad, so you guys have to forgive me for that. I'm horrible with names, so me trying to remember a name 
It's horrible. I have to get better at that, especially when it comes to my own organization's uh, project. So it's Project Start Fresh. Again, please visit www.cominghomecoalition.com. Go to the fundraisers page. Look for Project Start Fresh. And uh, we have an ongoing raffle there that you can you can join in and win baseball tickets on this raffle here. We got other raffles going in. Again, the co-founder has, has been doing a, an awesome job. Uh, awesome job. You know, I have to start showing more appreciation. I know she's mad at me because my mind slipped in the morning, but you know, that's just me. I, what can I say, guys? I mean, I'm I'm overburdened. I got a lot of things going on, man. I got a million things going on in my life. And at the end of the day, like I say, at the end of the day, I'm a returning citizen myself. I'm a returning citizen myself, and I'm struggling to survive and get my footing in and, and secure my future. You know, secure my future so I don't have to worry about being homeless. I'm not too far from it now. So I got a lot of pressures, man, a lot of stress. Um, everybody does. There's no excuse. So we just get up and we keep pushing. We keep moving and we keep doing it. And we just keep striving in the things that we believe in and pray that everything is going to be all right. You know, at the end of the day, we all pray that truth will always override a lie, that good will always override evil. And, and we just try to maintain in that and keep it going. Like I say, keep it pushing, pimping. So everybody, please forgive me. Please. I'm begging for your forgiveness. And I will, um, what's today, Saturday? I don't even know what day it is. Saturday night cell block. Okay, so I will be back maybe Tuesday. I don't know what's going on Tuesday night with my black versus white. But definitely Thursday night with Demetrius Knucklesell. And Thursday night, get right. Um, and that's it, man. I, again, I pray everybody is safe, sound, and that you you know you you're warm, and you're just doing what you can to survive. So until the next time, this is Thomas Freeme. At the end of the day, man, I love you guys, plain and simple. And if you haven't heard it yet today, you can hear it from me right now. I give you guys a big hug. It's Thomas Freeme, man. Stay safe. I'm out.